Queen says no to pot smoking FBI members. Welcome to Kinks and Beats Daily. I am your host, Tony Fry. I thank you for joining us. Today, we are talking about For You Blue, a George Harrison track originally released on May 8th, 1970. Um, as the pen open ultimate track on the Let It Be album. And then it was released a few days later on May 11th as the B-side to Long and Winding Road, which we all know is a Paul song. This track is not a spectacular track. And, you know, I, I'm going to cover all the songs. And what I do is I have a, a playlist on Spotify of every Kinks and every Beatles and every solo track. And I just hit shuffle. And whatever comes up, I put it in my schedule, and uh, then I delete it from the playlist so that I don't, you know, repeat. And so this one came up, and we're doing it. It's not a spectacular song. There's not a lot going on, but it, there are. It is worth talking about because um, it is technically a number one hit for the Beatles. Because back in those days, um, Billboard. Because the For You Blue was getting enough airplay as a B-side, um, Billboard considered Let It Long and Winding Road and For You Blue as a double A-side single, which it wasn't officially. Officially, like uh, uh, Strawberry Fields and Penny Lane was an official double A. The, the Beatles released that as an, uh, an A-side, a double A-side. This one, though, was an A and a B-side. For You Blue was designed to be the B-side. Um, but Billboard treated it as if it were a double-sided A-side based on the radio play that the song, the, the B-side was getting. So technically, by Billboard standards, this is a number one American hit. It wasn't released um, as a single in Britain, uh, but it it did do well. It got radio play. Um, it got radio play in America, Canada, Australia. If you look at Cashbox, which was the chart at the time that actually tracked A-sides and B-sides individually, um, the track peaked at number 71. But that's not bad for a B-side. There are a lot of B-sides that never cracked the top 200. Uh, and and this song of all of them to, to break through is Kind of remarkable. So it's technically a number one hit. It was uh, not technically a number one hit enough to be included on the Beatles one album, which um, compiled all their number one hits because of this weird policy that Billboard had at the time. It's also of note that it's one of the very few 12 bar songs released by the Beatles. And for those of you who don't know, 12-bar blues is just a standard chord progression. Every musician knows it. If you're a musician and you don't know it, um, I don't know who who taught you, but you should get some money back for that. It is the basic pattern that all blues music is written off of. Um, and then by contrast, because of that, by extension rather, not contrast, um, most a lot of country music is based on a 12-bar pattern. All the early rock and roll was a 12-bar pattern. It is a, a lot of jazz music is a 12-bar pattern. It is a pattern you heard your entire life over and over and over again. And it's 12 measures. 
Um, and it's three chords, typically. Now, when you get into jazz, um, they do some chord substitutions. When you get into country, they kind of mix up the order in which the chords come. But you basically got a one, a four, and a five. Your tonic, your subdominant, and your dominant. And uh, typically, it's four bars of one. And then you go to the four chord for two bars. Then back to one. Then to five. To four. To one. And then that last bar, sometimes they stay on one, sometimes they go back to five and do their... Um, so this doesn't stray from that. This uses what's called a quick change, which means that um, on the second bar, you switch to the four chord and then go back. So you've got two, three, four chord, back to one. And then from there on out, the next eight bars are standard blues changes. So this is a quick change in the key of D. Um, George actually played it in the key of uh, A with a capo on the fifth fret. So uh, even though it sounds like he's playing um, off of the open strings, I'm not pl uh, using a capo right now. He's actually playing off of the sixth string at the fifth fret. And that's how you get some of the... Um, the uh, the high notes that he's playing, you know, like up there because you, he's playing open strings with a capo. So the one cool thing about this, because the Beatles can't do anything just straight. And I said the this was one of the few 12 bars released by the band. As far as songs that aren't covers, this might be the only true 12 bar original. Oh, no, why don't we do it in the road, I think, as a standard 12-bar. There are very few. For a band that is rooted in early rock and roll and blues and soul and R&B, they have a remarkable lack of 12-bar blues, which is cool. Let the Rolling Stones do the 12-bars. They were good at it. Um, but in true fashion, like the Beatles, um, the intro includes a strange chord. So let me pull up the music. We open on a D chord and a D7, then G7, then E7. So we got a one chord and then a four chord and then a five of five. You've heard me mention that before. And then it goes to the five. And then all of these chords, he's using a seven. So it's a D7 to G7. Right? So it's all dominant chords and then straight 12-bar blues outside of the intro. So it's kind of cool that he throws that weird, weird chord in there. Now, the thing with this tune that's kind of interesting also is that it's the first song to feature slide guitar. And um, there are moments in Beatles recordings where it sounds like there's a slide in use, like uh, on Strawberry Fields, it sounds like there's a slide in use. There are a lot of moments that people confuse with um, having slide that are actually George's bend technique, uh, like the intro to something, is not done with a slide. 
he starts on a bent note and releases it. And it has that same feel, but he's not actually using a slide. This is the first tune to, to really feature as a solo instrument, the slide guitar. And it's not George playing it, who would obviously, you know, in a solo career, that would become his signature sound. It's John playing this lap steel guitar. And if you've seen the movie of Let It Be, he's uh, got it laying down on the floor and he's kind of hunched over on his knees playing it on the floor. So that's kind of interesting. Not the most inspired um, guitar solo. I kind of would have rather have heard George scream a little bit on it. Um, but they were going for a raw back to basics. It's just the four of them in the studio playing this tune. So there were no overdubs. You know, it was just as it was. Now, because there were no overdubs, it's really remarkable. Listen to George's acoustic guitar playing. In the intro in particular, he does a thing where he's playing the low note chords on the downbeats, and then he's playing... Um, uh, uh, how's he doing? This kind of like weird um, syncopated pattern on the upbeats, mostly on the upbeats, in between playing them. So listen to the last two bars of that intro and to listen to the guitar work. And it almost sounds like two acoustic guitars. It's very good guitar playing. But if you listen to the version on Let It Be Naked, which is uh, a better mix of the song in general. And I'm kind of uh, on the fence about how much I like the Let It Be Naked version or the the album as a whole. But listen to this recording. Uh, first off, George's voice sounds tremendously better on the Let It Be Naked version. It's more upfront. It's not as muddy. The production on the original Let It Be, Phil Spector's production of this track is horrible. Um, but listen to the guitar work he does like in between phrases and the turnarounds he plays on the acoustic guitar uh, at the end of a 12-bar phrase, he is doing some very cool bluesy guitar licks in there that I wish were more at the forefront and uh, and were like a, a bigger feature of the song. Uh, they use a treated piano, which is, again, because they the Beatles can't just do anything straight. Um, Paul put a bunch of pieces of paper in between the strings of the, st the stand-up piano. And uh, that's what gives it that weird sound. I always thought that it was just a um, that they overdrove the board with it. You know, they turned the mic too loud and compressed it, and that's how you got those sounds. But it was actually that's how it sounded live too. And again, I think the piano sounds better on uh, the "Let It Be Naked" version. So this is what it is. Um, other George songs that were in contention for this album that they passed on were All Things Must Pass, Isn't It a Pity, Let It Down, and Something. Um, I see Something cited a lot, but then I also don't think that was a finished song. So we can sit here and, and, and say, like, why did they pick this song over Something? Um, but I don't think at this point in the recording process, Something was a real complete song because I think he was still, you know, Something in the way she moves attracts me like a cauliflower or whatever the um, the quip that John John said about it. But All Things Must Pass, uh, there was a demo made, and it is 
lyrically finished. Isn't it a pity? Let it down. And these are all great songs that would become cornerstones of George's first solo album um, or Abbey Road in the case of something that the Beatles could have had. And these could have been huge hits. Um, some people speculate that George intentionally didn't really upsell these tunes because he wanted to do them himself and knew that he was going to do his own solo album soon. But who knows? There's been so much contradictory evidence uh, lately in the last year or two about what the Beatles' actual mindset was in this time period. So who really knows what was going on? But it would have been interesting to hear them uh, do, you know, Isn't It a Pity instead of For You Blue. But then we've got a lot of slow songs on Let It Be. So maybe they made the right choice. I mean, it's not like uh, George ruined those songs on All Things Must Pass. Please swing by iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever it's called these days. And uh, leave me a review and a rating. It helps us uh, appear to more people which will help us keep this show going. And also get involved. Give me an email at uh, kinksandbeats at herohabit.com or call me at 925-494-1739. I want to hear about your favorite or least favorite Kinks and Beatles tracks. And, you know, just talk about whatever you want to talk about. Uh, But send me a separate voicemail for each song so that I can use them um, with the appropriate episodes. Tomorrow when you come back is uh, Thanksgiving in America, if you're listening to these in real time. So we uh, have a special Thanksgiving sort of song for you. And then on Friday, the first song by anybody associated with any of these bands to be released since I started this podcast. And so we're going to cover a brand new song on here for the first time. All right. That's it for me. Have a great day. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Hey guys, it's not too late to start a subscription to one of our trading card boxes for yourself or that special someone. Swing by HeroHabit.com today, pick your favorite teams, and we'll send you a box of cards every month. We do the searching and sorting for you, and we randomly insert autographs, relics, and short print cards too. We have subscription boxes for baseball, football, and basketball available for $15 a month, and mystery boxes for music, TV, comic book, movie, and WWE, which uh, have a guaranteed hit in every box. Oh, and did I mention shipping is free? Visit HeroHabit.com today and sign up using coupon code PODCAST to save 15% off your first month. That's HeroHabit.com, coupon code PODCAST to save 15% on your first month of boxes.